I feel like I got my best night of sleep in a while last night, to be honest with you, which is, you know, not saying much, uh, but I feel like I got like a sharp six and a half, maybe even seven hours of actual sleep without waking up. Feels good. It's funny that you say that because I overslept hardcore today, which <laughs> uh, happens to be occasionally when you have a, a bad sleeping disorder. Sometimes you'd wake up and you go, holy shit, it's that time? Yeah. So. Um. So yeah, here I am today. It's it's a, that's a polite way of saying I haven't showered yet. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but but I look great. Um, sure you do. Th- that's the important thing. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, you ready to talk about the challenge? <laughs> Should we talk about the challenge? Yeah. Uh, let me. I want to start very simply with like, did you feel like this episode at least improved things from an overall season perspective? Uh, I, that might be overstating that might be it. Little far, yeah, I do think that um, they did the things that we asked, which is right. give us CT and put CT in a position where CT could be CT. At yep. least, you and know he what I did mean. That and he took care he of business. I crossed that off the list. You and, know, and and I also think, like in a real way, the. This central alliance, which I'm going to go to the, the the official challenge podcast reference again because Kylan was on last week and just, I thought, broke down in very simple terms. So I'm going to kind of steal from him. But in, in this style of game, when your alliance is so big, it just, there's like no accountability for continually throwing other people in, like the same people in, right? So, mm-hmm. in other words, in, in most of the challenge games we've watched over the, you know, 39 seasons of this show, plus all the extended universe, there are ways that ultimately, hey, yes, a big alliance can control a game, but if someone's good enough, they can keep winning and flip it on its head and at least and and then once you're able to do it once or twice you can flip the power dynamic in the house right in this game because of the nature of the way it's been designed where you've got groups sort of random groups competing in each daily challenge this alliance has been so big that it's been nearly impossible to find a group within the random groups that isn't dominated by this one alliance. And it has really made the game boring and stupid because that alliance is led by stupid, boring people. <laughs> well, it's weird. Like, 
Jay doesn't realize that he's the heel, right? No, he like, has no idea, and it's so bad. He he is like being that he is the valiant protector of X number of people, and the, te- um, the crocodile tears when Asaf got sent home. <laughs> Did you think those were crocodile tears? I thought those were pretty legitimate tears. Oh, that, I was genuinely at uh, not that Jay lost his shit. But at how many other people lost their shit? <laughs> the that, too. that too. Like, why was Raven crying? I, like, Raven I, was yeah. crying hardcore. I don't. I don't know. I just Jay strikes me as so like, uh, like in the in the eating challenges where someone starts vomiting. Right. Everyone does it. It was a it was a like a community triggered response. Uh, no, I mean, listen. Obviously, people liked. Um. Us off well enough, and and you know, perhaps he created a lot of emotional bonds in the house. Ultimately, I don't, you know, I Mariah, I'm pretty sure was just scratching her eye. Um, I don't know how upset everyone really is in in the long run. Real, I don't. Know. I think Jay's emotions are, are. I don't question his emotions there. Like Fine. I think he was legitimately mad that Asaf was in that position in the first place. I and I, I question legitimately upset that he was going home because that they. Those, I think those two guys are really tight. I, I like that part. The soft talking about like he's like uh, you know uncle I, to my yeah, kids. Fine. Yeah, I think that's real. Okay, fine. L- uh, let's grant them that. I would still point out that Jay is so impossibly, unimaginably egocentric and absurd that he made the entire elimination of Asaf about Norris making a move against him. Yep, yeah, agreed. And. Uh, like, ultimately, he should have been yelling what a prime number is to Asaf instead of yelling about how he's a victim. And he said so many... Un- they definitely explained what a prime number was to Asaf, by the way. And he just was not getting it. Yeah, they needed to try a different method of explanation. <laughs> I genuinely felt bad for him in that moment. And and he was on the podcast and talked about being a... You know, hasn't been to school since age 15. Um so I don't know. prime number is not a not a super tough concept. I don't know where he went to school, man. He's a not a native English speaker. Maybe it's called yeah, something. Which probably, he went to better school than what he did. <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, He's just, I'm assuming Israeli schools are pretty decent. I don't know. I, I'm sure it depends where you are. Like anywhere. Like I don't know where he really comes from. But the the point is, he clearly like. Uh, once you realized he didn't know what a prime number was, that the elimination was over, and they tried to make it look like he was on CT's heels, but I don't really believe that. Um, Jay, though, I, I want to focus on Jay being... Look, sometimes people don't realize they're the heel, and it makes it entertaining. But Jay is such an incredible loser, and and like... I I don't even know what I don't know what we're supposed to say about people who fit the classic somewhat uh sexist definition of bitch but like that's just him to a T and he throws these hissy fits about people doing things to him that he's been doing all season long like the idea that I, I, Norris was doing someone else's dirty work when, like, his entire strategy has been having other people do his dirty, including Norris, 
do his dirty work. He couldn't believe she had the audacity to think for herself. Like, it also the whole thing, like literally, like the first uh, like line of this episode was him talking about how he'll do anything to win. I, you know, I take that back. Sorry, that I, I I happened to catch the first episode of the season. Yes, and it was him saying, uh, "You know, I'll do anything to win this game." Right. You know what I mean? And but it's how like, dare anybody else think that? How, way. But it, yeah, but nobody else is allowed to do anything. To win. <laughs> exactly, and he's so obnoxious about it when he's doing what that moment was caught perfectly in the in the mini final in the daily challenge when he goes i just the joy of looking at kaiwan's face sink and da 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 and then he's actually just describing his own face five minutes later after his answer was wrong wasn't even yep (laughs) right he's just such a bum and and like I've hated a lot of people in the challenge history in like a sports hate way. Yeah. But and I don't say you definitely hate Jay more than I do. I, 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 I can embrace that sports hate in a way. And there's a part of that kind of TV hate in particular where like, look, these people have chosen to go on a reality show. They are effectively television characters. And you know, maybe I'm morally deficient, but I don't think of them that often as human beings. Um, and when I do, I try to be nice about it. But but in terms of watching the show, like, you're a television character, and he's a bad one. And I don't mean bad in the way that you love to hate. I just mean whenever he's on the screen, I wish I was watching something else. And that is just not something I've felt watching that there have been genuinely yes, horrible people. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say I, that I agree with you that I think that him and Michelle really being the in control of this entire game has made it kind of boring. And then <laughs> so. her with the the line to Horatio, I've never said your name, as if she has not been a part of getting him thrown in and not defending him when she's nominally in an alliance with him, right? Like playing semantics games with a with a oh me attitude it's just like i'm incredulous that these people are behaving this way she's like she's like i'm not getting anywhere with this conversation it's like duh yeah no shit lady (laughs) what i don't quite understand about this whole thing is right when you're rolling into this thing with an alliance that it's at one point was maybe half the house if not more right right Everyone in that alliance has to understand that there's going to be a point where we're going to have to start turning on each other. We can't take all these people to the final, right? So yeah. um, why do people seem so unprepared for that now that we're getting down to the end? It really does feel like the inexperience in the game has shown in a just a terrible way. With, like, with the, the, you know, the possible exception of the now sort of aligned Norris, Horacio, Kylan, Zara group, right? Like Zara tried to tell, even with the TJ thing, and I guess Ed knew, but he decided to, to say screw it, which I loved. Um, like Zara's like, guys, have you watched the challenge? Because if we tie this thing up, TJ's going to do something crazy, you know? And I think... Look, I don't know about you, but my first guess would have been CT can pick whoever he wants, right? 
Right. That was, I was, I mean, I think I'd already seen the thing with him carrying the, uh, the, sure. the mace. But I mean, the he theoretically yeah. could have pulled that out, you know, but, yeah. but when we're talking about what will TJ do if, if it's a tie, well, TJ's going to open it up to everybody. Of course he is. What did you, yeah. So what did you think about Ed's move there? Um, I, I, I like it twice. I like it first because obviously it's the right thing to do for television. Obviously, um, but yeah, I feel like a producer maybe talked him into it. Well, but here's the thing about that: I think it's reasonable for Ed to believe that if indeed the choice is left to TJ or CT, he's not at great risk. Right. It ultimately worked out for him and Emmanuel. It's like basically right. like. Yeah, if it could be anybody, then I've got a one in ten chance instead of a one in two. You know what I mean? I, yeah, or even yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. I so I you know I don't think his ch- even if he had voted Emmanuel right to where he's he's essentially you know a one in a one in ten chance if CT pulls the thing right. So right. even less than that, I don't think it's materially less because I don't think he was super at risk in either of those scenarios. Um, and I do think it was an effective kind of protest because he can he can argue that like hey I'm I'm sticking with Emmanuel and Jay here right I'm I'm sticking with the alliance that I've rode with this whole time but he's also kind of just doing his own thing. So I I don't know I I like it from all angles. Um yeah I, all right I I can go with that I thought it was a nice nod to Emmanuel at the time but you're right it it actually did make more sense uh, in the end and plus like you I wanted this tailbait because I wanted TJ to just unleash CT on on of course the, you know what I mean on the most people possible and of course we wanted it to be Jay but it didn't turn out that way and uh, it is what it is I I I will say. Somehow, despite typing season 39 every week when I tweet out our podcast, um, I don't think I put together that like the next season will be the 40th season and what that might mean. And I, I just got to say, like, I don't want to see most of these people there. How serious do you think CT was when he was hinting that he was getting ready for season 40? You know, 70% serious, but my hope is that he would be there. My hope is that for season 40, you would not only get CT and bananas, but maybe, you know, pull in some people who've said they've retired, like a Wes, or, you know, go back a little further. I'm not sure that you can repair your relationship with some of the uh, broken challenge relationships, Um, but I would like to see as many of the greats as you can bring, and then... I'll say, I mean, if you recall, season 30 was not like that, right? It was just about Dirty 30. You know what I mean, and they they made the game extra dirty. Yeah, but it was a heavy hitter cast. And uh, I don't know forty. Here's the thing: like fifty is your normal big anniversary, right? You're not gonna all these people will age out. This is probably your last chance to yeah. do. I mean, you can shit. Could you imagine if they could get the Miz? I mean, they wouldn't get. They won't. But what I'm saying is I think you still have an opportunity to make this a celebration of virtually your entire history as a television program. That's what I would do. I wonder, 
Uh, like Anissa needs to be there. How much money to take to, get the, to take to get the miss? <laughs> I I feel like it's an affordable number. I mean, listen, I think it's I think the number it would take to get the Miz is probably less than you might imagine based on the Miz's Q rating, but probably still more than the challenge wants to pay any single competitor. That'd be my guess. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at this Dirty 30 cast right now, and I agree um, that there were a lot of heavy hitters, but I, I do think it was... It wasn't like it was like a lot of those heavy hitters were just active in the game. At, at oh point. no! Yeah, no, you're right. I agree. Oh. It was not. It was not like a historic celebration at all. I, 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 that hasn't really existed outside of All Stars, right? Right. I agree. But I do think this is an opportunity. Like, if if Mark Long can still do a challenge, why not do season forty? Yeah. God, and there's some guys that have just completely forgotten about. <laughs> I mean, bring Derek back, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. He was a dirty thirty, by the way. That was yeah, pretty much, I mean, much wrap stuff up then, right? Not knowing what you know, potentially prohibitive stuff might have happened off the court, so to speak. I'd love to see Kenny and Evan back. I, I, I just now's the time because those guys are all in their early forties, right? Which, like, if they're Mostly all fitness professionals, they're probably still able to compete, but it's not going to be for long. Yeah, it's still weird to me that Rachel hasn't come back and competed. Bring Rachel the fuck back. That's what I'm talking about. I want to see Rachel. I want to see Jody again. Um, and she did All Stars, so why not? Um, I mean, it's not seeing Rachel in this like ex champions thing where she could come back for one show. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't well, know. But I would say like everyone who appeared on that has a much more um, active recent history than Rachel. I guess, except, you know, she knows a lot of these people from doing these workout videos with them. No, now. right, but I mean, I I think the sell from a television standpoint was, like, the best of the last six seasons or whatever. Or anyway. Maybe. I don't know. She's still a damn legend and a champ. You know what I mean? I agree. You got, it's just... You got Darrell and you got Brad and you got... You know what I mean? Like Right, but how Brad many... Darrell is, dude. Darrell has been doing it, you know. I don't do it. I'm just saying she was for she was in the same time as a lot of those people. You know what I mean? She so. was, but she hasn't been on since that time, and I think that makes her a tougher sell for for this type yeah. of appearance. But it's a great sell for a you know 40th season celebration. Right, just, and she's in great shape. Like you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, but again, uh, how she's probably like between your age and my age, which is to say early to mid 40s like it's not gonna be for much longer soon she'll just be in great shape for an old person now she can still compete so let's get it well i know officially that i cannot keep up with her at all so yeah well we both know neither of us can but that that there's a whole other host of reasons that go into that (laughs) yeah fair enough (laughs) by the way uh asaf is indeed from uh, israel and was once a contestant on So You Think You Can Dance. That's the thing I learned about Asaf. And he's, uh, he, I believe he won one of the, like a big brother maybe in, in. There was, he was a big brother Israel and uh, he was on, on two seasons of Are You The One, apparently. And then uh, he's apparently oh. now a music producer in Los Angeles. These are things I learned about Asaf. Oh, oh, that's why Devin has that side that says Asaf's music sucks. <laughs> 
Correct. I think you might have made a t-shirt out of it. They have had uh, some significant social media beef, as I understand it. <laughs> I think it's just like Devin that. being Devin. Um, I think a lot of the vets do not like us off. I, 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 I do want to give him credit, by the way, though. Like, yes. He's, he stayed with that, like, let's do it, man. I want to go. I'm excited to go face a champ. And, he kept and, the like, same energy. Yeah. Yes. Good for him. Good for him. And I would add this. Of all the people on this season, I think Asaf is probably, I mean, certainly top 10, but like pushing into the top five of people I'm most interested in seeing more of on the show. He's he, fun. He might be he a goof. Um, he might be, he's a little bit of a goof, but you're right. He's fun. And he kept up with CT on the physical portion of that challenge. Yes, he's strong. You, know, you can see so. his arms. He's a big, yeah. strong man. And, and he's funny. And you know, sneaky. I'm I'm mostly an Asaf fan. Um, although I can't defend all of his behavior, and I I will never understand people who are friends with Jay. I, I like him. So I'm a little surprised at that from you. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I like him on the show, and and I would say the same about James. By the way, like. I would like to see more from him. I feel like he's deliberately played the background because he's... I was a little disappointed that James was in, in the Let's Go After Horacio. Well, I uh, mean, I think he's just sitting pretty and trying to stay there, you know? he James should have been voted in a lot by now. And since that one early, you know, someone calling him in, he has not been down or hardly even yeah. mentioned. He has an influential person protecting him. Well, exactly. So I think he he is taking his cues from said influential person at every turn. But um, so does Horacio. So yeah, you know. I get it. I like. I wish they weren't fighting too, but it is what it is. Like I think he's just doing what he has to do to survive. I'm just saying, as a TV character, I like him. Horacio, I like, although you know, there's not a ton to him. Kylan, I think, is the the guy who he's, is really. Season, I agree. Yeah, he's really distinguished himself as like a logical competitor, a decent politician. His sort of analytical approach is hilarious and and kind of wonderful to watch. I just I'm a big fan of Kylan, and I think he's always calm. You know what yes. I mean? Even when even people are coming for him, he's pretty calm about it. You yeah, know what I mean? and even when like he's not one of these people that just starts escalating his his temperament because he's in a corner. Because he's been yeah. in a corner basically all season long. Yep. Yep. Uh, people are scared of him. for, yes. And I think for good reason. How, yeah. But before we move on, how much do you think this mini final was indicative of a regular final? I have, I have some questions about that. You know, people are definitely like, ah, well, Colleen's done. You know, you know what I mean? And I don't know. Like, yes, look, the final is going to require a lot of endurance, and she did poorly on that portion of it. Actually, like, I don't. He's differently. You know what I mean? I don't know that her endurance was the biggest problem. Um, I see your point. However, I would be very concerned about Colleen based on her attitude and approach to the cutting of the rope situation. Like, you are one checkpoint into the minifinal. Every single other person has cut their thing, be frustrated, you can't lose your shit that that fast and be talking about quitting. 
Uh, I mean, but she was she yeah she talked about quitting, but she was like, "I'm not gonna quit." So I'm like, she the level of like lost her mind, stopped listening to anything anyone was saying, and flipped out. Meltdowns. I think I think she I think people are I think people are overrating this a little bit. Maybe, but I I don't love that. Um, and ultimately. You know, for someone like Olivia, endurance is the issue. It has been the issue since her first, you know, setting foot in a challenge environment. It continues to be the issue. And she is going to have a very hard time winning a final. Listen, I acknowledge she's good enough at some of the other stuff that she might still do it. She's tough. She's strong. She does not quit. But if you're going to slow people down in a final... They're not going to want you there. So yeah, I mean, she didn't really slow anybody down in this in this little mini final. I don't oh, it think. looked like she did to me. She, I mean, she was gassing a little bit, but like they, they, you know, the physical I, parts of that they killed, right? So. Yeah, uh, but I think she was gassing a lot, and who knows what happens if you kill it just a little more in 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 yeah. the runs. So yeah. because yes, you're saying like they were killing it in the physical part, but like it's hard to measure exactly how much time was made up on those runs because once they showed a little bit of running, they just kind of cut checkpoint to checkpoint. Um, yeah, they had, you can tell they added out a lot of the hard work of that. mini final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And ultimately they did get caught, which leads me to believe they probably were not running as fast as they might've wanted to. And Olivia was certainly the limiting factor, right? I do, by the way, I do feel like, cause we have shit on Jay all episode. I do feel like he does deserve some credit for the strategy on that lock. Yes. That, that was, was the. It's cool. the one positive note I have written down about yeah. Jay. I mean, try right. Try to count the squares. Take a shot at it. Do your multiplication. If that doesn't work, start trying guesses. I, I would have started from three ninety and <laughs> and gone from there. Honestly, like yeah, there's definitely ten squares here at least, and then just kept yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, you could have done it that way too. I, I think it would. It, you know, the for me, I like to give myself a chance to get it right, but. Fine. It, the strategy here is not to go back and count the squares again. That's for goddamn sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, the minute you get it wrong once, you're just trying multiples of 39, which is not the hardest thing to do because as somebody pointed out, I think it might have been Kylan. Exactly. Just add 40, subtract 1. Uh, Raven, on the other hand, pointed out that 40 times 10 is 4,000, which was not correct. <laughs> and then subsequently was like, okay, 39 times 14 is 225. And Corey was like, um, and she was like, just shut up and listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. And he was like, well, just said it again. times 10 is 390. So I'm pretty sure pretty it has sure. to be bigger than that. <laughs> and for what? The 15th time this season, Raven had to go, uh, oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, I actually wrote. I actually wrote the, the note. LOL, Dory doing math. <laughs> it's what's what's wild is that. By the way, sorry to interrupt myself. I did f- learn something that, um, I think solved a mystery for this podcast, and it is that uh, Raven will be studying acting. At Columbia. Uh, 
I was going to say, if uh, Asaf and Kylan are winners this season, I think you got to put Columbia <laughs> in, in, in losers. <laughs> so I I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, look, Dory could be a pretty good actor, uh, provided it's television or film so that her lines can be held up. Uh, Do you? Can you get into Columbia without taking the SAT now? Is that that's a thing? She's old. I, this got to be like a grad, a grad graduate acting program. She's um, not yeah, applying to college. I suppose that's probably true. Um, that's so crazy. anyway, that that solves that mystery. But more to the point, just like how does her team not blindfold her during the math portion and just tell her to sit it out? And how does she at this point want to continue to embarrass herself? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, that's what you got to be in the house to really understand that, I think. It is so crazy. And the confidence. It's 26, by the way. Right, yeah. So I'm sure it's a grad program. Anyway, the confidence with which she makes these proclamations that are so wrong is like, I don't know, what whatever the next step past loud and wrong is, that is what Raven has been over and over again. Every time anything marginally academic comes up on this season of The Challenge. Yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's tough. Uh, did you have a burn of the week? Um, I I I did not have a burn of the week. No, I had I had some quotes. Um, I had some. I, I had a joke of the week, or I don't even know what to call it. I had my favorite a soft line of the week. Oh, well, I want to give Emmanuel a little bit of credit for some. Nice side shade right at the beginning when he was talking about it. I'm here for the attention and popularity. Horacio already got that. Oh, I, that, that was good. That, that was good. good. Uh, but my full burn was we are team full brain. Everyone else team half a brain. From, yes. From <laughs> that was funny because it was true. Um, <laughs> I had my... The best my, of truth. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. My, my two favorite things this week uh, one of them was not a quote but it, it does seem to fit some of the narrative that's developing around this season um did you notice the shirt that narice was wearing like at the end of last episode and the beginning of this one uh the one that says uh hating me will make you pretty that's correct yeah <laughs> it just for you it's a pretty good burn actually it's a good burn for more than one person in this house right now. Yeah. Um, the Asaf of the week for me, though, uh, was <laughs> when the elimination started and he and CT are rolling those giant things. <laughs> they cut to an Asaf ITM and he goes, <laughs> very, very seriously, this big dreidel is no joke. <laughs> so... Jewish representation, man. Uh, yeah, that was a great moment for me. Um, I also, I didn't, I don't, I don't think it's a burn, but there is something delightful to me about the way Kylan talks to people when he is sort of done with it, and he knows he's right, and they're being stupid. Um, and he. He gave what I thought was like a, once again, in Kaiwan fashion, very straightforwardly logical and sensible analysis of the situation in the, like, deliberations when he said, 
Listen, if you're getting voted in, there are two reasons. Either the person thinks you are too big a threat or you're expendable. (laughs) And Michelle is like, well, no, actually, sometimes you're just like better friends with somebody else. And he's like, tried to explain it further to her. And finally was just like, Michelle, you're talking about intention versus action yeah, poor yeah poor kyla just trying to bring it down and in logical brain and michelle being paranoid to her and yeah it was, it was bad. bad but he's way, obviously I, right i feel like i feel like we need to talk about this now about what raven has a movie on amazon prime no she does um she announced it on instagram and spelled premiere wrong <laughs> Um, it's called Seal of Desire. Oh no! And I think it's probably terrible, but I feel like we should maybe watch it at some point. Oh uh, no! Like it just, just like it just got an. She ju- it just came no, out. No, no, this is a post from forty-two weeks ago on Instagram. So it came out uh, earlier this year or last year, I guess. Oh my! Seal of Desire. She get, as as Raven Collier. Yeah, it seems that's her her act her like birth name. She's got a number of credits on IMDb. As a matter of fact. Yeah. I don't know. Seal, uh, Seal of Desire considered for homework. Candidate for homework. Seal of Desire. I don't even see that one. <laughs> it says Amazon Prime. Wow. Hopefully they haven't pulled it down by now. <laughs> rude. Unnecessary and rude. <laughs> Seal of Desire. Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely watching. I've not heard of anyone else in the film, for what it's worth. Did you read a description? A nope. handsome psychologist who specializes in couples therapy uses his intuitive skills to expose cheating spouses and seduce their heartbroken wives. Uh, I got. I bet it's awful. Oh um, man. Yeah, it is unreviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's. And you uh, are gonna have to spend money to get it on Amazon. <laughs> oh no! It costs money. Uh. Oh no. Wait. Maybe not. Wait. Let's see. Oh yeah. You can watch it free with ads. <laughs> Oh, sweet. All right, great. Thank God. <laughs> she is uh, on the – I'm on the Amazon page, and uh, there's some very, like, classic 90s erotic thriller-style shots involved. Yeah, I bet. Raven. I bet. I bet they're going for a real basic instinct vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that, that feels right. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's thinking really hard in that shot. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. You know what? I I support this as homework for you specifically, and you can come back and tell us all about it because I I am really only interested in your description of this film. I will watch Seal of Desire so you don't have to. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Reacher's almost over, right? Oh, is it? Is this? I was. I'm worried that this might be the finale. I'm hoping it's a few more weeks. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Oh, it's so good. I love it every week. Uh, Fargo wrapped up last night, and it was tremendous. Okay, I got to catch up then. I didn't know it was that short. Yeah. What's that, six episodes? No, it's like 10, dude. Has it been that long? Yeah. Man. Apparently, I've been watching Fargo for a while. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I guess not. Anyway, okay. Um, I, half the time I'm watching it, like, Wednesday at 2 in the morning when it drops. <laughs> that's, that's how we do it, I've been. Um, anyway. Right. Well, maybe that's, maybe I'll catch up on that and we can briefly discuss it next week. But uh, we have a number of things still to get to here. I know. What the hell are we talking about? Um, where, where do you want to start? Um, I I feel like True Detective, maybe? Is that... Sure. I, I don't know that we're going to have a ton to say, just because not a ton has happened. Um, I will say I find the cast extremely exciting. I think the setting makes a ton of sense. It's it's almost bringing the uh, implied darkness of three seasons of this show uh, to very literal life by putting it in the darkness of Alaska during the month that they get no sun. Um I'm excited. I'm actually, I think I am 100% in. 100%. In. <laughs> I'm, I'm in on the like spirit talking polar bear. Yeah. I'm in on the, uh, the random heads found out in the, in the middle of the ice, the, the weird ghost dancing. Yeah. Um, the ghost dance, the mystery tongue, um, all of it. And I all think, I, you the know, all of it. I'm in on all of it. I 100% agree. And, and I think, you know, there's a couple things. Obviously, like, there's some trust with this franchise, but I feel like I am more in on this than the last couple seasons uh, have necessarily demanded. Jodie Foster, Vikings fan. Hit me yeah. up for, for all of it. <laughs> I, I do think the cast is the thing here, right? It's Jodie Foster, but also, like, seeing John Hawks and Fiona yeah. Shaw, people that we love from other things. It just feels like a very serious cast. And I looked up her name because I wanted to make sure. Callie Reese or Rice, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I didn't look up her name very carefully, uh, who plays the, the co-lead with Jodie Foster, uh, Detective Navarro, or I guess Trooper Navarro. Yeah. Do you know I who she is? Tell Cop, but she was she was tremendous, I thought, and, she, and a very compelling character. I do not. Know, okay, so she is a multiple weight class boxing world champion. Um, Can't say I'm surprised. Who is... <laughs> Who is of, I think it's, what was it? Inuit? Uh, well, no, I mean a variety of Native American, but it's like half, you know, she's half black, half Native American, essentially. Um, Ivory Coast, maybe? Anyway, uh, but she is someone who was just very involved in the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls movement. And as a result, got cast in a uh, movie called Catch the Fair One, which, you know, ultimately it was it was like a, a filmmaker found out about her advocacy and asked her to co-write and star in a, in a movie, which then got a bunch of buzz at film festivals and she got cast in a couple of other things. One movie that hasn't come out yet was Sean Penn and uh, this. So she's an incredibly accomplished boxer with very little acting uh, pedigree, but an intimate and lifelong connection to essentially this character. Yeah. 
It's, not bad. She worked with Sean Penn and Jodie Foster by your third role. You know, right? I mean? Exactly. And and her her acting career is off to a tremendous start. Yeah. Um, but she is compelling immediately in this in this first episode, and the story is compelling immediately. There's a mystery. There's the spooky true detective stuff where. You know, it's hard to remember at this point because I'm not sure either of the last two seasons brought this dynamic. But we spent like five episodes of the first season wondering if there was magic in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yellow King and all of that stuff. You know, exactly. What I mean? That was all part of it. And even if now we probably can safely imagine that there will be a non-magical explanation, like that feeling is very present here. And if it's magic. And there's a non-magical explanation for it. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It is. This was an awesome episode of TV, and uh, yeah, I'm also in on the polar bear. Can't do much better than a pilot, I think. No, you really. I don't think you can. John Hawks, man, uh, always good. Um, what do you think of Foe? Hmm. Um, I think this maybe has the potential to be our most interesting conversation. Uh. Okay, uh, this is a very slow film, um, and it—it's—I get—I get the thing that it's—it's it's doing, and I think it's yeah, because because my reaction was mostly, "What the fuck is this? Why did I well, just watch this?" So, well, uh, let me ask you something. What is it? Tell me what you think it's doing. I—I <laughs> I think. I think you you like uh, are not very interested in what it's doing because I, I think what it's doing is similar. Not to what it's doing, yeah, yeah, to, to what the the end of uh, Murder at the End of the World was doing, which is like meditating on humanity in the face of artificial intelligence. What is it to be human? what yeah. matters to humanity. Um, and I think this is more successfully meditating on those questions. Uh, there's like more thought to the process, certainly than murder at the end of the world, which just the used thing, it. Yes. I, I agree with that. I, I, I think the thing is, and it's not that I'm not interested in those questions, but in this case, just the way that they were going about asking the questions, I was not interested. And I, when I don't did know. You, like, I, uh, let's spoil this now. I'm gonna spoiler alert. Um, when did did you like did when they revealed that essentially the dude was a replicant? Were you was that a surprise to you at that point, or did you? It was out. a surprise to me, but it was a surprise. You know, sometimes you get that surprise where you're like, ah, well, I should have figured that out the whole time. Right. Kind of, you know what I mean? Totally. Because yeah. I, I would say like uh, 30 minutes into the movie, I was uh, I was like, oh, he's clearly a replicant. I just, and then by the, you know, by the time we were getting to the end, I was wondering if she was too, um, which of course she turns out not to be, but then she is in fact replaced by a replicant at the end like so here's the thing i it is ponderous and intense and like this is one of these things which i feel like we've said too much lately where i 
the actors are doing a thing, and I think they're doing it well. I'm just not totally sure it's worth anyone's time to do that thing at all. Like, I, if you if you ask me, did Saoirse Ronan do a compelling or, or convincing job of presenting me a woman who knew her husband was a replicant and was trying to handle it in the most reasonable and humane way possible and ended up falling in love with him and how that affected her. I, yeah, I think she did that. Yeah. And I think Paul Mescal made some fascinating choices that also worked from a do I buy the premise of the character standpoint. I don't know what we've learned, though, and I don't know why. I don't know what we've learned, and I wasn't. It wasn't like I could say I was really entertained along the way. No, you know it's what I not mean? enjoyable, and that, yeah. that it's becoming such a common refrain that, like, okay, I guess there's a there's something thematically here that could be at the heart of a movie I enjoyed, but this wasn't a good time. No. It was not a good time. And, and like, if it's going to be a bad time, then, like, I need to connect. I still need to connect with it emotionally. Yeah. Uh, and it's a hard, to me, it's, 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 it keeps you at arm's length, this, this one, a little bit. So, well, it's a lot of. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of, like, groaning and brooding in general. Yes, it, it is a lot of brooding. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you wanted stuff to happen, uh, per se, this is not your film. No, 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 no. No, it is not. This, it, this definitely like feels like it was adapted from a play, right? Not, not a ton of sets needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's essentially a three-performer piece. Um and I looked up the other guy's name. Uh, it is Aaron Pierre. And again, no no complaints about the work of the actors, right? It's just like, to what end are we? To, to what end? Right. To what end was the question I had the entire time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I did too. And I guess like the ending... To the extent that the ending of the film answers that question, it is not—it's not a satisfactory answer to the question. No, no, sure isn't. I, all right, um, I, I know I don't want to think about Foe again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think my guess is like again, you're—you are were more infuriated by the experience than I was, because I do find these questions fascinating, but like I just think you could do better. You could certainly think about the issues of humanity and artificial intelligence equally thoughtfully while being much more entertaining. Isn't like her such a better example of how you can investigate these questions and, and like not have a terrible time and like even if you wanted to make it, it and, uh, uh, you know, yeah, uh, empathize with the people of the situation and yeah. Even if you know. wanted to make it a pretty ponderous film, exactly. Her is just a much better version of this. On the other hand, like, you could be funny or actually, you know, have a plot where things happen. Um, 
all of those options are available to someone who wants to be creative and make a new film exploring these subjects. I, I just don't know. I mean, look, they get the best artists in the world doing stuff like this, and it just confuses me, you know? Like, what was so compelling about this to anyone who ever... So many people have to say yes and invest their time and or money and or talent to create something like this. And I, it's hard for me to understand what the thing that drew any of them into it was. I agree with you. It was a lot about it. It was hard for me to understand in terms of what people's motivations were for doing this. Not a great sign. No. I, I'm more curious about Bass Reeves. Like, uh, I think the motivations there are extremely clear. And <laughs> Yes, correct. And look, not, not, not a show that's uh, uh, using subtlety as a, as a quill as a quill in its uh, in its bow. No, but I do think like you you can see that this is a David Ayelowo like passion project on the screen. He's spent ten years getting this made, <laughs> and I feel like he's very happy to be doing it and he is diving in whole hog and i kind of love it it's Mm. it's not remarkable um other than that you know the true story of bass reeves is remarkable this is a i think uh generously adapted version of the bass reeves story but i'm having fun there's cowboys he's a badass with a gun um and it's, you know, it's a badass with a gun show that uh, I think just by nature of being told is also like a progressive uh, statement. Yeah, I, I think all those things are true. And I think partnering with Taylor Sheridan was a good idea because it does make it sort of chug along in, in entertaining fashion. Yeah, chugs along I, in entertaining fashion. That is a great description. I don't know, though, for me, and maybe it's some the general westernness of it. Um, I, I can't say that I'm like 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 I don't mind watching it, but I don't know that I, how anxious I'm going to be to come back to it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, fair enough, I guess. But I, I know I will finish the season of Bass Reeves, or if I do, it'll probably be six eight months from now. You know what I mean? Sure. So. Or like you know, you'll get sick and and have a day in bed. You know? Um, yeah. Like you know, like I just finished the season of I've, or the series of Billions the other day. It's like right. ah. I guess I guess I should watch the last six of these. You know, I made it this yeah, far. I think it's better than billions. Uh, right? You know, better. Not than, sure. I think it's. <laughs> let me be clear. I I think what I've seen of Bass Reeves so far is better than like the tail end of billions, to my understanding, because I didn't watch it. Um, yes. But I, I. But it. You know, it's. It is. It's a. It's. It's pulp. It's a cowboy show, and like, obviously, there's some points about race being made in the process because of the story the nature of the story but like mostly it's a cowboy show and i think it's a pretty good one yep yep um yeah no it's a pretty good cowboy show so your mileage may vary and look david ayelowo is working man he's doing the accent he's he's got a real gruff expression that he you know like a 
brooding U.S. Marshal thing that he's really nailed down. I'm enjoying his performance. It's a family man. He is. Raising his daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks. I don't have a ton to say about Ted. Um, it's okay. exactly what you think it would be, I think. Right? Maybe. It's enough. If you like, if you like the idea of Ted, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, it is. It's obviously incredibly stupid, and and it is, uh, you know, not quite to the Dave Chappelle level, but it's clearly. It wants to be not PC. Right? Part of its mission statement yeah. is being offensive in very specific ways, like uh, you know, episode two being a big suicide joke. Um, and it's like you know, and I think the fact that it's set twenty years in the past allows them to then. Um, you know, well, back in the day, we weren't so sensitive to, you know what I mean, right? Like, you can yeah, have characters and, uh, telling yeah, Polak jokes or whatever, right? Exactly. That is that is certainly baked into what is happening. Um, but, I, like, I thought a lot about this, actually. I, I don't want to give anyone too much credit, but I also don't want to take Seth MacFarlane for an idiot. Like, I, there's a pretty significant social satire element to this as well, I think. And the show does manage to maintain a pretty charming, like, good heart at its center. In a weird way, you know? I mean, as dumb as the suicide jokes are, the the general plot of that episode is that Ted and, and his teenage owner, John become the surrogate parents for the bully at school, which is funny. And, and like in its own, you know, dumbass way, kind of thoughtful. Um, and, and like it, it pokes fun. And they get really into being his parent. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, but they ultimately mean reasonably well. And it pokes fun. I think in a reasonably insightful way at some of the, what I think are legitimate uh, criticisms of politically correct culture. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you could probably do it without making a joke of suicide. But I, I, I don't know. I have an appreciation for the line that Seth MacFarlane is trying to walk here. And I think it's not useless. You know, it is dumb. He does it with dumb jokes put that put that on the poster not useless matt calls <laughs> well seriously though like i like i think that <laughs> it's it's gonna sound ridiculous but i think this kind of art is in its own weird way kind of important sure i get it. i get what you're saying i'm not i don't disagree i i don't know if the show is i feel like i still want some more belly laughs though you know what i mean yeah, I, I I tend to agree. There's more like chuckles. I yeah. I will say, have you gotten to the episode about the, the with the Vietnam story from the dad? Yes, yes, I have. It's not a belly laugh because of the nature of the laugh, but I yeah. will say that that was one of the funnier, you know, scenes in terms of this type of comedy where, you know. Spoiler alert, jacking off a dog is the fodder. Like, that was about as good of a scene of comedic television as I've seen in a little while. Like, it was really good. And, you know, obviously everybody on screen and off is thinking, how could we possibly get to a place 
where the story of this man masturbating a dog makes any sense whatsoever. And frankly, they pulled it off. <laughs> no pun intended. Yep. That, that they did. They did. <laughs> it's fun to watch them walk, walk that high wire. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, now listen, anyone who hears what I just described and says, yuck, do not put that on my TV. I can't fault you. Totally get it. Totally but also, it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so there we are. <laughs> I enjoyed it, so there we are. That's, I think that's, that's a good way to wrap up Ted. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not going to argue uh, for the Emmys for this, but like, I don't think it's. I, I'm not going to call it important work, but I'm also not going to call it uh, pointless. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Not useless, Matt Coles. Not useless. Put it on the poster. All right. So uh, next week's homework. Um, I mean, I'm going to watch uh, Seal of Desire with Raven. Yeah. You well, don't have to. I, but I will. I can't wait for the report on that. And listen, here's what I will say. If you watch this movie, like in the next couple days and can give me a compelling enough argument to watch it that I can get my wife to watch it with me, I I just might do that. All right. But well, I've we'll got to be able to, like, hand the phone to my wife and be like, look what Derek said about this ridiculous movie starring <laughs> Raven. We should probably watch it. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. It is it is audacious of me to give myself extra homework in a week that we are also watching Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> Because that's going to be half our week right there. That's We're both taking next week off of work, which is to say <laughs> you are taking next week off of work, and I will abandon my children uh, yes. so that we can actually get through Killers of the Flower Moon. Look, Just people to seem to love it. And, you know, putting aside uh, <laughs> to be charitable mixed feelings about The Irishman, um, Martin Scorsese is, I don't know, the greatest living director? One of the five greatest living directors? You know what? I'm ready to take that title away from him. Wow. I, I think we I think we need to have a come to Jesus with Marty and say, I can't call you the greatest director if you can't make a movie that comes in under 215. Well, I don't know, man. I, I'll say this. like, uh, There's no fleas on Goodfellas, right? Like, I, <laughs> right. How many of those can you say, though? Right well, and not not every movie deserves like that's the thing. We're not making The Godfather every time out. We're not making Goodfellas every time. No, out. and listen, we disagree. We or ra- rather, we we agree about The Irishman. It was too long, and and that's the nicest thing I have to say about it. Right, but and, but and that's it. But right, The Aviator. Does that need to be three and a, over three hours? Of course not. Maybe not. Like, but I would argue like, that The Wolf of Wall Street was worth every minute. So. You know, yeah, I mean, The Wolf of Wall Street is a good movie, but it's also too long. Maybe I, I'm not as concerned with length as you are. If you do Cas- a good Casino. job, did Casino need to be three hours? Like, this is my point: is that no, it's clear that that Martin Scorsese, greatest director of all time, has uh, well, no that. to tell him no. Right? I look. I'm not saying greatest director of all time, but you know, Martin Scorsese, film legend. There's no one <laughs> around who who can tell him no. And so he follows these things to the point of excess and by and large 
with some exceptions, it has hurt the quality of his movies almost universally. Almost For the record, in- Casino comes in two minutes under three hours. Um, <laughs> Great, sorry, two fifty-eight. More All importantly, right. no, they don't like nothing has to be any length of time. I would argue in his history, Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest directors of all time, indisputably, whether, whether, you know, you have number one or not. And I don't, um, I think you earn these things. And I don't know that anyone, I think that, I guess that's just my point, is that literally no one, not Orson Welles, not Francis Ford Coppola, not George Lucas, not Steven Spielberg, no no, no filmmaker has earned the right to a three-hour movie every time out. Maybe not, but... And I, I don't say one ever will, frankly. Okay, but the, let's have this argument next week after we've watched the film. Okay. And, and secondarily, I, I just... Like, he, all of those other guys you mentioned blew it a lot more than he has, just frankly. <laughs> I guess. Like, I don't know, man. It's a long series of movies that are too long. Before, see, like, good before Francis, ago, man. Before Francis Ford Coppola made Godfather Three and Jack, he had Carte Blanche. You know, so a little underrated, I think. Maybe, but you know, that like this is the way it works. Is like if you keep. <laughs> I guess having I mean, critical acclaim. I mean, studs. Like you know what I mean. Like they're not all you know. We didn't uh, classics. We didn't like the Irishman, but it was far from a dud. And it was the last time you thought Shutter Island? Uh, not a lot, but it was incredibly well received. And actually, I liked it when I watched it. You know, that's what I'm saying. Even the ones like I didn't love bringing out the dead back in 1999, but people did. And and I think it's very well regarded in retrospect. Like, you know, that's not Jack or The Godfather 3 or, you know, pick your favorite George Lucas flop. Um, well, yeah, I mean, no, George Lucas has some more spectacular flops for sure. Yeah. So anyway, the, the point is it, it, he's a great director. Has he earned three hours every time out? I don't know if that's a thing you can earn. Maybe you're right. But... I'm more willing to entertain it because of all the times that he's gone for three hours and I've been completely entertained and satisfied. So let's see what happens with Killers of the Flower Moon. And for a lighter time, the Amazon rom-com flick, Roleplay, starring Kaylee Cuoco and David Oyelowo. Right. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) David Oyelowo is back. Uh, Probably working less hard. Uh, Yes, almost certainly working less hard. And then uh, what's the name of the TV show? Uh, what was the name of the TV show? Oh, uh, Death and Other Details on Hulu, um, which is going to, uh, since we loved Murder at the End of the World so much. <laughs> <laughs> we feel like Hulu is really excelling in the mystery space right now. <laughs> so, and apparently, uh, from what I read, this one has uh, uh, ripped off, um, uh, where is it? It's a... Uh, her, uh, a Hercule Poirot movie, apparently. Wait, and I guess I guess it's that gets the Christie movie that it's from. Manny off. Patinkin is Hercule Poirot. No, it's uh, subtly a remake of a one hundred thirty million dollar Hercule Poirot box office bomb, according to this article. So, hold on, 
That was that was also called death and other details. No, but here's another thing saying it's very similar to Death on the Nile from 2022. Is that what they're referring to? (laughs) Is that a bomb? I don't think that even. I feel like that was a COVID victim that ended up on HBO Max. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed Death on the Nile, but I enjoyed Agatha Christie was my favorite author when I was like eight. So, oh, okay. Well, we'll see. I've read all these stories, but Death and Other Details is not a uh, Agatha Christie joint, to my knowledge. So I wonder what um, what specific flop they're referring to. Yeah, well, and HuffPost says it's a murder mystery like no other. So, so maybe it's not a ripoff of anything. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, it's uh, all I know is it's got uh, Mandy Patinkin and it's a a murder on a boat. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so there's a murder. <laughs> we're we're going to solve it. Most foul. Hopefully it won't be Zoomer in the uh, <laughs> in, in Bill's room with the computer. I keep telling you, it's the AI with Zoomer in Bill's room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just saying, Zoom, Zoomer's the person that did the killing. I mean, you know I think I- we can hope and, and maybe with some expectation that Neither Zoomer nor any sort of artificial intelligence play any part in this particular mystery, and I think we'd all agree that's best for the pod. That would that would be delightful. I really hope there's no evil billionaire. <laughs> okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. So long, everybody, and do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.